Welcome to the Time for Two Guys show. We're your hosts, Stephen Holgate, and today we have a really special guest for you. Yes, he's a very popular face around camp. Everyone knows him. Everybody loves him. His uh, awards that he won when he was a camper. In 2002, he was the College League Achievement Award winner on Purdue. In 2003, he was the College League Achievement Award winner on Trenton. And in 2004, he was a College League Achievement Award winner on Xavier, making him a three-time winner of the award. Uh, please welcome from Stamford, Connecticut, the Associate Director of Camp Manitou for Boys, Michael Carp. Thank you guys very much. Hello, Manitou Nation. I am a first-time, long-time listener and uh, excited to be on the show today. So just to kick it off, like how have you been since camp? Like what have you been doing in the off season? I've been good. It's been a busy, crazy off season. So uh, we were not busy enough during camp. So my wife, Margo, and I decided to buy our first house in July. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. So while you guys didn't even know it, I was still at camp, but Margo and Charlie went back to Connecticut and closed on our first house. Um, So we moved in in September and love having a front yard and uh, Charlie has room to play and Snoop's not stuck in an apartment. So that's been going great. That's um, awesome. Camp has been uh, very busy. We uh, seem to have had a very good summer last summer because everyone has signed up to come back, both campers and staff and uh, people signed up pretty quickly. Um, and we have been very busy uh, trying to make camp better every summer. So we have uh, a few creative ideas with uh, programming and a few updates to the facilities um, that we're really excited for you guys to see this summer. So uh, it's been fun and busy. Yeah, I must say really excited for that. One of the things, like at least I've noticed that Manitou always has done a great job of, and my parents have always commented on this. Anyone who have, like my bunkmates' parents have always commented on this, and Manitou does a really good job of investing back in the facilities. Like for some of you younger listeners, when Holgate and I first started coming to camp, there wasn't like an amphitheater, there wasn't a canteen building, there wasn't a culinary program. So just hats off to the Manitou directors for continuing to build it up. Yes. No, I definitely give them some credit. When I first came in 99, uh, I was the first, I was actually JD and Dave, I was JD's first home visit when when they first bought the camp. And wow. I, wow. I ran upstairs. I wanted nothing to do with this place. And I remember I got up there. Somehow my parents got confused. They brought me up a day early. So I slept in a bunk with like myself and two counselors. And I remember the beds used to be the, those small mattresses that literally you could take a bite out of. Um, so I do really appreciate over time. Um, you get to camp every year and there's something new and awesome. And, you know, I think the best camps kind of always stay ahead of the curve, which I think JD and Dave are good at. For sure. You touched about it uh, a little bit there. What was young Michael Carp like when he was a camper? What was uh, the beginning stage of uh, his Manitou career arc like? <laughs> so uh, before I got to camp, believe it or not, I was a shy, reserved, sporty kid. Um, I loved day camp. Mm-hmm. I loved travel sports. I wanted nothing to do with sleepaway camp. Um, but I come from a crazy camp family. So my parents met at Camp Laurelwood, which was a uh, Jewish camp in Connecticut. And my grandparents met at Camp Moden. uh, Wow. Back actually before it moved right next to us in Maine. Mm -hmm. Um, So it wasn't a question of if I was going to camp, but kind of when and where. Um, And we found Manitou mostly through word of mouth. I think one of my dad's colleagues, uh, son went to Manitou and loved it. And uh, JD came to my house. I wanted nothing to do with it. Um, My dad signed me up. 
threw me on the Westport bus and I was terrified out of my mind. And uh, I walked in, uh, bunk 21 was my first bunk. And three of my bunk mates, uh, one or actually two of my bunk mates, one was Josh Goldenberg um, and Mike Ackerstein ended up being future deans with me, you know, 15 years later, Ackerstein and Seth Corkin were college roommates of mine. Mm. Uh, so it was a decision I needed a kick in the butt to make. But once I got there, it was probably the best decision of my life. And then once I got to camp, um, I wouldn't shut my mouth. I kind of was able to kind of create my own character at camp. I could be myself. Um, and I was, I think, a pain in the butt. You know, I was always kind of towing the line. Um, and I think Aunt Amy and Uncle Bob and JD and Dave, I definitely spent some time um, getting mentored by them. Um, but I, uh, you know, I think when I think back, you know, my camper days were some of the best summers of my life. Um, and, you know, I never remember like an instructional, I don't really remember any of the college league games or the color war games. You know, you rem remember like being in the bunk late at night with your best buddies in the world. And it's sure. hard to explain, but like, that's what I miss, you know, when it's January 6th and, you know, you have, you're in the middle of the winter. I mean, I gotta completely agree with that. Like, at least for me, like, you can play basketball anywhere. You can go play football anywhere. You can't be in the middle of the bunk with your 14 best friends in the world playing prez anywhere. Like, so I really think the power of camp has always been to me. It's a place that's just a safe place for people to sort of go be themselves, like improve and just feel happy and safe with your best friends in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then uh, a quick question regarding your camper years. You have, I believe, uh, claimed that you went undefeated in athletic events as a senior. Can you defend those claims or rather answer to them? Yes. No, I, I can, can confirm that. Actually, um, um, Michael Ackerstein, who's a lawyer in the Boston area, actually probably has spreadsheets to verify. Um, but it was only for college league. I, I do remember, I believe it was high senior or CIT year a color war football game, Jesse Hutcher, he wouldn't throw me the ball. I don't know what was going on. Wow. And Dan Angle had an incredible field goal to beat us. And I believe that was the one time I lost as a senior. Damn. Well, I, I mean, also won both plays we were in as well. Really? Which plays were those? I was the genie in Aladdin. Wow. And I was um, uh, a side character, but the star of the show in Little Me. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, it obviously sounded like you had a very illustrious camper career, one that many would be very envious to have. So do you think like that great camper career led you into a good counselor career? Um, I think it made me look forward to my counselor career. I okay. definitely think, you know, I think one thing that we've gotten a lot better at is with our counselor and train our CIT programming, mm -hmm. you know, being able to train you guys to be future leaders where you're not just going from the top of the totem pole straight back to the bottom. You know, I think that transition has gotten a lot better. And I think we have a lot better junior counselors. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I struggled junior counselor year. I think coming in, it was hard for me to realize I'm not a camper anymore. And it's not just about me anymore. It's about, you know, those 12 campers in my bunk. Um, but I had resources and I definitely used them whether I wanted to or not. And people like Corey Levy, like Scott Karen, Waldo, you know, my unit leaders, Vaughn, um, you know, they helped me become a great counselor. Um, and, you know, I think my second year, you know, I became kind of a lead in the bunk. My third year, I was, you know, I was a first coach on a college league team and, you know, prob you know, and, and uh, turning into a unit leader. And then, you know, my fourth year, I was a 
a dean and a unit leader. Um, so, you know, I think the camper experience and the counselor experience, they're two completely different experiences at camp. Absolutely. And you have very different goals, but in some ways I actually like the counselor experience more than, than my camper experience. Yeah, I mean that's totally fair. I'm I'm glad you've uh, you expressed your uh, your struggle uh, segueing into JC here because I think that happens for a lot of JCs where they walk into that first year as a counselor thinking that it's kind of like the same willy nilly stuff, but then they realize, oh God, we got to get going, got to be a counselor. So it's definitely good to recognize that and um, be aware of what you're getting into because being a counselor like can be a hard job at times. Like I don't think anyone comes back to camp anymore and thinks we're gonna have a great easy summer, you know? So. But, but it's rewarding. It's definitely rewarding. Yeah, I got to agree with that. Like, I think it's a very relatable thing to struggle as a JC a little bit. Like, I know I certainly was not totally ready for it. But like, I think like my experience was very similar to most people's where it's like you get more comfortable and better throughout the summer. But even if it's not necessarily say straight as much fun as your camper years are, there's honestly a lot of parts that are that are really are better and more enjoyable and certainly more rewarding and more fulfilling. And sort of going to that. So 2007, what team were you the first coach of? Um, I think I was a chief in two. I think I was a dean in 2006. I think I was a judge in 2007. Wait, you? I thought you. Oh were no, no, no! I'm sorry. I'm missing. I'm messing up the years. 2007. I was the. Uh, I was the first coach of American University. The okay. Eagles. Yeah, perfect. And then can we touch up a little bit, like sort of because. It's an experience that not a lot of people go through, but being a two-time first coach, also having been the first coach of Oregon as a second-year counselor, how do you sort of think you learned, grew in college league? Like, when you were coming back that year, did you, like, how was your expectations differently having already gone through being a first coach the year before? And sort of how do you think those two years prepared you for your dean year in 2008? Yeah, you know, so college league was a lot different back then. Um, You know, when I was a camper, we liked college league. We Oh, most of us lo- lived for color war. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny. I kind of call college league. It's like the NFL. It's this brand and you do anything to protect that brand. Um, right. And it has gotten strong. Now you have Thursday night football and Saturday night football, you know, and it has become this incredible beast, which, you know, is a main focus of our program. Um, the amount of time that you guys invest during the off season into college league is incredible. Um, but it's relatively new in the last 10 years, you know, for us, I found out I was a dean two days before the kids arrived, uh, a day before my staff draft. And, you know, I had a good idea that I was going to be a dean and I had some ideas, but the process was nothing like what it is today. You know, I, I think it is incredible to see you guys, you know, from, you know, the initial interviews that we do, you know, right around now, mm-hmm. seeing how much thought you guys put into it. And, you know, you guys have these incredible teams together before the campers even arrive. Um, so, you know, for us coming in, it was something we talked about during the year, but I didn't know who I was going to be the first coach of, you know, they flipped a coin for the draft the day beforehand. So it was very hard to be able to build the teams like we do today. Um, once you're a first coach and you're thrown into the action, you pick it up very quickly. Um, and, you know, I think one thing that you guys do better than we did, um, you guys trust your staff. And I think a big part of being a successful Dean is being able to delegate responsibilities. For sure. And I, and I think that's something that you guys have gotten a lot better at than maybe some of the deans, you know, 10 and 15 years ago, you know, we had kind of our core two or three people and we did everything. Now, you know, you guys, you run a quarter of the camp and, you know, and that's, that's a significant point. And not only that, but you guys are the biggest influencers at camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 
just seeing how much time you put into Presnight and the loops and making sure that each meeting place is, you know, different and important. Um, you know, it's incredible to say. So, yeah. And then when you were going into your uh, 2018 year, did you like have, was it the same thing? Like you didn't really know like Virginia tech or anything like that. Did you pick on site or was that you thought before? Um, good question. So I originally, I wanted to be the Wisconsin Badgers. That's where I went. Um, mm-hmm. But we have this, you know, kind of tradition at camp that if the plaque is in the current dining hall, it, you can't use that team again. Right. So, I think both me and Steen are victims to that. Steen with Syracuse, me with UMass, it happens, but. So, you know, I had a few teams I was thinking about, you know, Virginia Tech had never been used. I thought the Hokey Pokey could be somewhat fun. Uh-huh. Um, so we, we ended up doing Virginia Tech, um, you know, and, and for me, I just wanted it to be a fun experience. You know, my view is, you know, you're going to pick a, a team out of the hat and, you know, there's only so much you can do. I want to make sure everyone on that team has an awesome experience. So whether it was, you know, dressing as scuba Steve for, you know, the swim meet or, you know, doing mini boilermaker shots, you know, in the dining hall before one of our loops, you know, making these kids have fun, different experiences each time they, you know, each time they have a loop, it's, you know, it makes it fun for the kids. And then like after that summer, do you think like the tactics of that year worked as far as like bringing kids back to see more summers after Virginia Tech? Yes. You know, I think, I think college league, it's when you ask 99% of the kids, you know, when you're going around camp, what's Mm -hmm. your favorite part about camp? They say college league. And I think the incredible thing, it's not just your competitive athletes you know it's those kids who could care less about traditional team sports who are focused in the theater it's the kids who are designing the meeting places um you know and i think that journey of a team i think that helps build that relationship with camp and that buy-in to camp Mm -hmm. so you know i think it's incredible to see you guys where remember every year we have a hundred new campers who come in who have no idea what this college league thing is all about and you get them to buy in very quickly um and you know, now I'm on the phone talking to all of our families, doing Zooms with everyone. And they're all asking, who are the deans this year? What are the teams going to be? You know, they're all excited about, you know, what's to come. And I think that's, you know, a big result of, you know, the impact you guys are making. Uh, So sort of of transition into it. I mean, how do you think sort of like the Dean summer led you to do color war differently? Like, how do you think it sort of led into your next couple of years at camp into culminating into you getting your own color war team? I mean, college league changed my life. You know, I think it was, I always joked, I went to JD, like, you know, after like my sophomore year of college and I was like, I want to buy this place and, you know, be a director one day. And he was like, ha ha ha, you know. Whoa, wow. Really? Like end of sophomore year of college? Oh yeah. Like I was like, you know, but, but it really, I didn't really realize like I was going to put in the work and the effort to actually make this dream a reality until after I was a dean, you know? And I think one of the things I really, it just, it showed me how much I love this place um, mm-hmm. and how much, you know, I was, I changed my life around to be able to come back to camp every summer. You know, after my Dean year, it all it got a whole lot harder. You know, we needed our internships and to get that full-time job. Right. And I was able to create a position. I, you know, I worked in television. I was a TV producer and I was able to create a freelance position where I would work for NBC news and CBS sports during the year, nine months, but I would able, was able to come back to camp every year. Um, and, you know, eventually that reached a point where, you know, my boss came up to me and said, no, you can't really do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I made that tough decision where, you know, and JD helped me find my first full-time camp job. And I think one of the best things that he could have told me was, you know, if you really think you want to get into camping, you should go work at a different camp. You know, I think mm-hmm. 
Okay. We know, you know, I, I think one of the best, you know, things I bring to camp is having gone and worked at a few other camps and seen how other cultures work and what works at those camps and what doesn't work at those camps and being able to bring that experience back to Manitou. So, you know, college got me to fully buy into it. Um, it definitely made me a better color war chief. You know, I think for then, once I was a college league dean, I was trying to figure out, all right, how can I avoid the real world, you know, and and come back for more. Um, so, you know, actually, after I was a dean, I took a year off. I was an intern, you know, I, for an internship. But then I was able to come back and I was a unit leader and a chief that following summer. And I think, you know, it just made me appreciate, you know, as a as a color war general, Back then, you only had four days, you know, to be able to do this, and you should appreciate that time. Um, and I think, you know, it just it makes you think about it, and you know, really appreciate the opportunities, you know, camp has to offer. For sure. Do you remember some of those kids that were in that unit of yours when you were unit leader? When I was a unit, uh, so I had a few different units. So okay. my crew, my bunk, I had a few different. Well, my first year bunk, I had like uh, Mike Karen was one of my campers. Um, and then my bunk that I had for the next few years was like, uh, Miles Sheft, Mikey Green, Jeff Green, Blake Needenthal, Jared Allen. Um, so, uh, it was a good crew of boys. And then I ended up being their unit leader after I was their counselor. Um, but then I've had a few other, I, I had the Dean's, the Dean's last year. I was their unit leader. When right, I came when, back. back in 2017, the return when you were their CIT unit leader. Yes. My first year back at camp, I was able to be their unit leader. So, um, you know, it's, yeah, I've gotten to work with a bunch of, you know, a bunch of groups and, you know, now I do all the recruiting for camp. So, you know, you get to know the next generation of campers. Yeah. I was about to say, let's go, into, let's go into 2017 a little bit, like sort of the return, like how was it coming back? Cause obviously my first year is 2012. So I kind of knew who you were just being there at camp. Then you took the couple summers where you were born at Manitou. So how was it coming back into Manitou in 2017? Incredible. Like, um, I never in a million years thought there was a chance I would be able to come back, um, you know, in a full-time capacity. You know, I was working in a different position. I thought that I'd be there for the last, you know, next 50 years. And, you know, actually with Somerset getting involved, that kind of opened the door for a new position to be, you know, set up and to be open. Um, so coming back, I was probably more excited for that summer than I been for any other summer. Um, I was also super nervous and a little, you know, it was like almost like a first time camper, you know, coming in, like, am I going to make friends? Am I going to figure this place out? You know, it had been five years. And, you know, one thing you learn about camp, you know, people come, people go, but camp stays the same and you make new friends very quickly. Um, so um, it was great being able to come back. And, you know, now I, I work full time for the camp, but, you know, I work with two of my best friends, Dave and JD. Um, so, you know, it, it's funny. I never, I don't know about you guys, but when I was a counselor, I never considered it a job. Like you wake up every morning. Most of the time you're doing stuff you want to do outside with kids that you like, and you get a paycheck at the end of the summer. You know, that sounds like a pretty good way to spend the summer to me. Oh God, I'm the absolute same boat. It's like, I've always get asked like, why am I not trying to go find a more, let's call it real world job. And I'm like, I'm still at the point where I can come back, spend a summer with my friends, spend a summer with a group of kids. I really like spend a summer having fun in college league, having fun at the waterfront, having fun. And I'm just like all my other friends from around here who are going to go work in some office for the summer. It's like, cool. I'm going to have 10 times as much fun as you're going to have for the next seven weeks. Not only that, you're going to get more, you're going to have more responsibility at a younger age than you will at any internship you do. Um, you know, and I can tell you from experience, you know, I took out the trash really well and I made a really good cup of coffee and I got an awesome, you know, uh, you know, um, 
you know, recommendation at the end of the summer. But, you know, as a camp counselor, we throw you into the fire very mm-hmm. quickly. And you are responsible for the, you know, health and safety of 12 kids. You know, you are, and not only that, we want to make sure that they're having the best time ever. And, you know, you guys are big brothers and mentors for these kids. Um, it's a huge responsibility. Um, but I think you guys, you know, our staff are what make camp so special. Yeah, it's definitely something you don't realize until after it's happened. I remember after my JC summer, I was I didn't really have the time to like look back and realize what was happening in the moment until like after the summer and realized, holy crap, I'm 17 years old, still a teenager, and I was just in control of a bunk of 13 nine-year-olds, and they all had a great time that entire summer. So but, it's and, and how how old are you guys now? Right now. 19. About to turn 20. Okay. So you guys are gonna be 20 years old and you guys are candidates to be deans, which mean that you'll run pretty much manage a group of about a hundred campers and about 50 staff for seven weeks. You know, I don't know many other positions you'll get at 20 years old where you'll have that kind of responsibility. Um, and the cool oh. thing, you know, ask some of the former deans. I think I learned more about leadership and management over that set those seven weeks than I have in anything else I've done. I mean, I have to imagine that's true. Like I can't see any 20 or like, any other place where they're going to put a 20 year old in charge of 120 people. And I just don't like, I think that's such like a great development leadership opportunity for every dean that's come before us. Hopefully if we get this or every dean that would hopefully come after us or like, plus even more than that, like even if you don't get this opportunity, just being a counselor for the first couple of years, like you hear a lot about like soft skills. And I think that's really what you develop at camp where it's, I become a better communicator. I be, become better in crisis management. Like, I've become better at time management, all these things that are honestly exponentially more important for a real world opportunity than whether I can make a cup of coffee well. And I developed that right here at camp. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely learned how to make coffee after many sleepless nights come combining uh, practicing for college or getting stuff ready for college and then waking up early for the kids. So you learn how to make a coffee here too. So it's pretty <laughs> great. Um. Let's kind of talk about like 2021 a bit. What were your, what were your initial thoughts going into 2021 about how the summer was going to go? Uh, 2021 initially, I'm like COVID we're still dealing with. Are, are we able to change? Are we able to change the question a little bit into yeah. also 2020 sort of like both COVID summers put together? Sure. Um, so 2020, um, huh, 2020, um, 2020, JD, Dave, myself, Kate, and Josh wanted to do anything and any everything possible to provide you guys with safe, fun summer at camp. Um, and it was one of the craziest, best team building experiences I've been a part of. Um, you know, I think working together and being patient and using your resources really helped us get to a place where we could offer camp. Um, I will never forget Memorial Day 2020 um, when I literally called every family to see if they were coming or they weren't coming for that summer um, and kind of giving everyone the full scoop of how all of it was going to work. Um, When we got up there, I don't know about you guys, like I felt like we accomplished something in 2020 that uh, it, it, you know, just when that summer ended and everyone left and everyone was safe and happy, it was one of the most, you know, incredible accomplishments I think we had as a team at Manitou. Um, it was a very challenging summer, but it was a great summer. Um, you know, and I think after that summer, we kind of took a deep breath and we were like, all right, we're past that. And we can kind of return to normalcy a little bit. 
And, you know, I think one thing we've, I've learned from this is like, let's not be naive about it. Let's, you know, plan for the worst and we can always make things easier. Um, but, you know, coming into 2021, the big thing was, all right, we were able to create this safe, awesome bubble in 2020. How do we stay ahead of the curve? How do we make it better? How do we make the experience more fun? Um, and have, you know, with a, a larger camp population offering, you know, more things this year. Um, you know, and I think going into that, you know, there were different issues that we faced in 2021, um, whether it was the food short, you know, service issues that you would have, whether it was staffing that you would have, you know, there were kind of things that pop up left and right. Um, you know, and I think for us, it was just working as a team, being able to problem solve, you know, working with our families, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how well we prepare for this summer. One person, one family can screw this up for everyone. So it is incredible the, um, you know, the trust that, you know, that, that we, that we have in our families to be able to make all of this work for you guys. Um, you know, so in 2020, it was, it was great. You know, I think it was, you know, getting back closer to, to normal camp. And I think going into this year, you know, my hope is I want to provide as normal of an experience for you guys as we can. Um, you know, we're, you know, if we're dealing with COVID this and that, I just want you guys to feel, you know, to be boys. All right. Don't worry about the crazy outside world. Just come have fun, you know, make lifelong relationships, you know, and have an awesome college leaving color work. I can't really speak to 2020 as I wasn't there, but 2021 was probably as close to normal as I really expected camp to be. And it was awesome. Like it reminded me of when I was younger and kind of just being able to get away from the world and really only worry about camp. Cause I don't know, the world can be dark and scary place at times, especially when you're in the 12 to 14 range, like the pressures going on outside, stuff like that. And being at camp is really just fun, rewarding. You get to be kids and have fun. You don't have to worry about what everyone else is saying. So I think that's one of the great values of it. Yeah, to sort of reiterate what Holgate said. I mean, I think the magic of camp has always been that you really are cut off from the outside world for these seven or weeks. And I think 2020 and 2021 really accomplished that where it's like, like I was trying to describe to people like the magic of the summer of 2020, like, cause I really think it's something that no offense, Holgate, if you weren't there, it's really hard to explain. Like I think right. it sort of is what camp was where it's like, you can't really explain college league unless you experience college league. You can't really experience the magic of 2020 without like being there. Mm-hmm. But looking back, like, I think part of it was that we all just bought into this idea of who gives, who cares what's out happening outside this camp? Like who cares what's in this outside world? Who cares that there's COVID? We're going to commit to just creating our bubble and living our best summer in this chaotic world that we don't know it's going to happen as soon as we leave. And I don't know. I think that was magical, at least for me. And I really like to believe everybody in it. It was absolutely incredible. I mean, these have been the two best summers of my time at camp the last two years. It's also definitely reassuring to see how well the camp is able to adapt to situations like these and hopefully adapt situations moving like it forward. Now, we probably will never see another something like COVID, but I know that we're going to knock on wood. Yeah, knock on exactly knock on wood. Um, But it's really assuring to know that we're prepared moving forward because like camp is such a, a special place. And at least going into that summer, the prospect of losing it like outright for everyone, it was scary. I mean, it was very scary. So having being able to come back was so unbelievably rewarding so yeah uh, so we have a couple extra like sort of for those who have not been here 2018 and 2019 color breaks carp had a huge role in both of those so first we want to talk about 2018 in the nicest way what yep. was going through your head 
So 2018, was that the professional wrestling? It was, was the professional wrestling. wrestling. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so I love color war and, um, I don't know when I was a camper and a counselor, I always just would like literally dream and think about like color war break ideas. And I think growing up, you know, when you're a little kid, you see all these breaks and you think they're the coolest things ever. Um, and I always like kind of, you know, pushing the comfort zone and kind of, you know, I, I'm a good ideas guy. I throw 50 ideas at JD and he tells me 48 of them are dumb, but two of them stick kind of thing. Um, so, you know, I've always been a big wrestling fan. I'm from Stamford, Connecticut. The WWE is headquartered there. Um, and, you know, growing at camp as staff members, actually, we used to go and during our time off, we would go and see like indie wrestling. Um, uh -huh. And I bumped into a guy, uh, Scrufflin Hillbillies, the tag team. And, you know, 10 years later, I was just thinking of a cool idea. And I said, hey, you know, what do you, let me give them a call, see what they say. Uh, and they were super interested. Um, so I went to JD and I said, what do you think about doing an evening activity where it's pro wrestling? Um, and he initially said that was a really stupid idea, but I kind of massaged it and he allowed it. And then I worked with the professional wrestlers where we created a whole break with it, where, um, you know, I was one of the managers of the tag teams and I was making fun of one of them. And then they came and uh, suplexed me through a table um, to kind of <laughs> conclude the night. Now, one thing that most of you guys don't know is that that was not exactly how the break was supposed to work. Oh, I was supposed to get thrown through the table and then JD and Dave were going to come up, stop the event, send everyone back to their bunks while an ambulance came, wheeled me into a gurney and I would come out, um, you know, and, and I'd be wheeled away. The ambulance was busy on a real emergency that night. So uh, not able to have the ambulance come. Um, so we missed that one part of it. Um, but uh, it seems to me like it, it will be a memorable, my hope is it will be a memorable college or color war break. 100% like for our CIT break, we heard like wrestling and like me and Steen are kind of like the guys were like, okay, this might be a little stupid, but we're just gonna have a fun time with it. Get hyped because it's gonna be pro wrestling. And then now looking back, I like think to myself, what just happened? That was crazy and absurd and fun. And I that mean, was, it was so memorable. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, so a few other things, just cause I think it's hilarious. One, um, Wrestling is not fake. It is very real. And people are like, oh, like, did it feel comfortable getting thrown through a table? No, it really. <laughs> um, one thing, though, when I mentioned, I, yeah, I mentioned, you know, I've never wrestled before that night, before that one moment. So I went up to the guys before you guys got in there and I was like, can we practice this? Or like, he's like, there's not much practice to it. And I mentioned I'd like to get thrown through a table. His one recommendation that we did was, he recommended we unscrew the legs of the table because when he throws me through it, he wasn't concerned about the table breaking. It's more about me getting impaled by the metal legs of the table. Oh. Yes. So a few things I learned from that night. Um, and I also gave a tour at 1030 the next morning after getting thrown through the table. Oh, no. Do you, I mean, are we allowed to say what family that was that got the tour or is that oh, too... Uh, I, I don't, I don't recall. It might've been Hunter Frank. I'm not positive, but, wow. uh, but yes, no, we had a, uh, yes. I, I wanted to make sure I wouldn't be concussed for the tour. 
Absolutely. That's awesome. And he was one of yours this summer, right? Yes. Hunter Frank was one of my campers. So I'll have to ask him about that. That's, that's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, definitely. I think the only thing that's fake about wrestling is the plot, which is like, you need that to make it interesting, but the contact and all that stuff is not easy. Like a suplex, like going through a table that hurt, like that hurts like a lot. So obviously kudos to you for that. Uh, so I guess 2019 color word break kind of, there was this new thing that year where you had sort of age group spirits who were announcing the kids for each age group. I personally loved it being one of the spirits that year and how they've done it. I was looking at it in 2020, but how they brought it back this year. I heard that was sort of your idea and you were the one who was more pushing that sort of do you want to talk through the process of that break, sort of coming up with that idea. Yeah. You know, I think the co- the color war break is very long. Yes. Uh, and what we want to do is while we are announcing the teams, we want to keep all of the kids engaged as well as we can. Um, when you have one person standing up there, I can tell you being a former chief, no matter how hard you try, one, it gets a little boring after the, the 150th person. And two, you're going to lose your voice very quickly. And then you're not going to have a voice for the entire war. Um, what I found, what I thought was more meaningful to, for, to the kids, specifically the younger and the newer campers is, why don't you have someone who's more meaningful to them on a day-to-day basis? Maybe it's their favorite counselor. Maybe it's their unit leader. Um, you know, someone who focuses on that age group or on, you know, that, that individual child. Um, not only that, it gets more staff to buy into their team earlier. Um, you know, I think for you guys, it's a, it's a reward at the end of the summer. Like oh, yeah. if you are asked by your team to call out, you know, or by, by your general to call out your team, that's a huge honor. Like that's something that, you know, uh, I would, I would want, I would look forward to as a counselor. So I think, you know, a big part of college league of color war, is getting you guys involved and kind of building future leaders of camp. Um, and we want to find positions for as many people as possible to create that buy-in. Um, so, you know, I, at the end of the day, color war college league, it's not one Dean, it's not one chief, mm-hmm. it's that team that you build around it. Um, so I think the more inclusive we are, the more we can build that structure, that hierarchy of a team, I think the better product, you know, the, the better college league or color war will be. Absolutely. I definitely can attest to that where the day of the break, I remember I had like a gray shirt on or something and I had something over it. And I have, I think it was you came out to, he's like, Hey man, you're going to the white house right now. And I was like, what are you talking about? I get there. And then here, like that I'm announcing a team, I'm about to get painted up. And I was like ecstatic, like, cause me as a JC, it's like, you hear something like that. And you're like, wow. Oh my God. Like it's, it's actually happening. This is real. I mean, Steen, can you talk to it at all? Yeah, I mean, I guess two things. One, yeah, I mean, it was a great honor, my JC here, but for me, I was actually kind of terrified going in. <laughs> I was like, I'm just like sitting in the dining hall and someone taps me in the shoulders. Like, I think it was like, they're like, carp needs to see you outside. Like, carp wants uh-huh. to talk outside. I'm like, wait, what? What? Did I do something wrong? Am I getting in trouble? <laughs> so like, no, just carp needs to see you. Come on, like, you got to go. So I go outside, they're like, get on the golf cart. You're going to the White House. I'm still really, really confused. I have no idea what's happening. They're just telling me to get on this golf cart. Drive me over there. I get in. People are starting painting up. I'm still so confused until I think with Halfin goes up and he's like, you're announcing a low soft age group. And I'm like, yeah, that was awesome. Like as a JC, I was so excited. And I do have to agree, like as cool as it is to get announced by your chief, like I have to say for the group of nine-year-olds I announced who a lot of them probably like didn't have a super close relationship with Halfin going in, but they all knew me. They all loved me. Like I was something that was more important. Like I was a more recognizable face. And I think it was probably a more meaningful experience to 
for those kids to have me announce them than it would have been for the general to announce them. Yeah. And then also for 2021, I have to really agree that it's something that is meaningful for staff. Like, I don't know if Holgate knows this, but I was originally, that's the day of the break approached me. I was like, we're doing this again. Do you want to uh, announce the lower intermediates? And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to, if you can't find someone else, but I've been planning this team with you for three weeks, probably find someone who hasn't been involved as early and it's going to mean more to them than it would mean to me. So I would say, I really do love that we do this. And I really do think it's a meaningful thing. I, th- I think the other cool thing that that I don't think most people know is um, with the color war break, no one other than me knows everything that's going to go on, including JD and Dave. So we always really? keep, yeah, and the and the and the generals. We always keep something from each person. So there's always a little surprise for each person, which is kind of nice. Wow. Yeah. So it might be something as small as. Uh, no one knew about that, like a huge limo Hummer that came to deliver a few people a few years to. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In 2019. To elephants and wrestlers and NASCARs and all sorts of crazy stuff for you guys. I guess also one more thing for the 2019 break. Yep. I mean, that was, I think, probably the year with the most fake breaks I've ever seen. Was that like intentional? Was it like. 2019. You had one where Scott Perrin and Corey Levy yeah. were clowns. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, like sometimes I wake up and I'm just in a, you know, if you guys just allow me to kind of start doing this stuff and give me a camp credit card, I'll just start thinking of bizarre things for you guys. So, um, if I have time towards the end of the summer, yeah, we'll do some wild and crazy things. One other thing though, is I want to get more people involved in the color war break. I don't think I've been doing this for a little while now. I think getting a little more creativity and a little young blood wouldn't hurt. Um, so, you know, I think we always want to keep it new and fresh, um, and, and make it something that everyone's looking forward to. Wait, you remember this year when there was just the podium down the main basketball court. So after breakfast one day, we just get up there and start doing a fake break. Yes. It's electric. <laughs> we have all our campers like yelling at us. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Okay. Um, as we kind of near to the end of our episode, talk about polar bear. Yeah, so the polar bear was a tradition I brought um, actually from a previous camp. Um, you know, one of my mentors um, had been doing it for almost 50 years um, every day. Um, and I think it was a, it's a cool way to start off the day. Now, he didn't get all dressed up and look like, it, like an idiot panda bear every morning. Um, that story is a little different. So, you know, how that all came about was when I started the tradition at Manitou, um, you know, I told my dad over the holidays, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm the camp polar bear. And like two days later, there's a box outside of my apartment with a movie quality panda bear head, um, you know, from, from like Indonesia. Um, and I call my dad and I'm like, I don't know why you sent me a high end panda bear head. I'm the polar bear. And he's like, well, you know, it's coming from overseas. I can't return it you might as well just keep it. So I was engaged at the time and, um, and we were having our engagement photos and I thought it would be a little funny just to, to bring the panda bear head there and oh, no. the engagement photos and everyone in the family thought it was hilarious except for my wife. And <laughs> then we got to my wedding day. And when we get to the venue, um, my dad had purchased eight panda bear heads for, for each of the groomsmen who oh, were a bunch of panda bear 
So it, it's weird. The photos from the dance floor are just a bunch of people and panda bear heads dancing around. Um, but, you know, it's kind of picked up steam. And now uh, now we have what? I think we had 30 kids who did the polar bear every day at camp last year looking for that steak and lobster dinner. That is awesome. that's crazy to see what it's come from, because I remember at least the first summer you did it. I think we were either CITs or high seniors. And at the end of the year, there were like two kids who did it for the entire summer. And now to see like 30 kids doing it, I mean, that's, that's absurd. That's we're crazy. building a following. It takes time, but we're building a following. Absolutely. How many, how many older kids do you get to go to the polar bear? I, I wish I knew because I don't go uh, enough to it, but what's, what's the that? First, like? The first day I get 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third day, probably about three. Um, but, you know, we're geared more towards the younger demographic down at the Polar Bear. Um, one thing I would like to do is to get those lazy bum CITs out of bed a little early and they should do the Polar Bear with me every day. Yes, that's that's um, definitely I something when I did my CIT here. It was a lot of fun. Yes, yeah, we, great wake up in the morning. <laughs> we had Eddie Soto basically like once a week would be like, all right, guys, we're doing the Polar Bear. And I think we probably did that for like two weeks of the summer. But the times I did do the Polar Bear, it was very rewarding. So Hopefully in future summers, I'll be able to get there out there tomorrow. There are, there are worse things to do than to wake up, get dressed as a panda bear and jump in the lake and you're going to, and get paid for it. So it's a nice way to kick off the morning. It's only going up from there too. That's true. That is true. All right, Steen, you got any more questions? Uh... Do you, do you have any uh, comments or things you'd like to shout out while you're here? Uh, I just, I, I want to say I am very impressed with this podcast. I was, uh, I was concerned at first that this would last like an episode or two or <laughs> get through the deans and then you'd be like, all right, I don't know anyone else to interview. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate being the, the sixth person at camp. I think that uh, that definitely boosts my ego a little bit. So I appreciate it. Um, I think, you know, we, we got lots of freaks at camp and I think there are plenty of good interviews to have. So, you know, Absolutely. I would definitely recommend get like, you know, Ian Meta or like uh, Gandalf, I mean, Vaughn um, or, you know, um, Perrin, you know, there are plenty of other people that I would like to, uh, to, to hear their wisdom, um, but keep doing what you're doing. And along this, plus we have an episode that's with Jack Rose, uh, Noah Katzman, Ethan Manon and Jake Van Horn should be coming out. I think tomorrow. Yeah, I would put that on over the holidays. I don't know if people are going to be ready to listen to that one. Um, oh, it's but- chaotic, but it's incredible. <laughs> Um, but no, we miss you guys. Um, for all the listeners, uh, keep thinking about camp. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, we got a few more months until we'll see you guys on East Pond. Absolutely. And we're all looking forward to it. Steen? Uh, stay marvelous, Manito. Peace.